0: Hey, tonight, the boys and I answer listener comments, perhaps identify the first mother of the Nephilim. And Brian tells you why resurrection solves a problem with evil. That's what we have coming up. So keep it right here on Mount Hermeneutics. You're listening to Mount Hermeneutics where three Marines give their perspective on God, faith, and spirituality with a heavy lean on the divine council worldview. This is not your grandma's Sunday school, nor is it always for the Christian faint of heart. Nothing about who we are or what we say make us experts, but you better believe we'll have a take and perhaps it won't suck. People who curl in the
1: squat rack are, you're, you, are you are the reason people don't believe in God. <laughs> so to the people who uh complained about us bantering too long
0: yeah which is which is a bunch of bunch of those people
1: uh mm-hmm. you're banned from the show
0: yeah i would say hey i don't know if you know or not but our last episode has 41 views so why don't you just go ahead and leave the content <laughs> to uh the professionals you know we're, we're the famous ones uh, you have 41 views we have no, dozens stuff. of listeners. Dozens. We don't need you. <laughs> dozens of listeners. You don't like our we're... banter?
1: You get your own podcast. Yeah, you're you're banned from the show. Shut your filthy holes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're sorry. We're sorry. Please come back. We'll <laughs> quit. We'll, we we repent.
0: Down to business. Oh man, uh So I guess I guess our pilot episode got lost in the ether yeah (laughs) we
2: recorded it and i like said it somewhere and i haven't been able to find it so like we have this like maybe someday it'll be famous it'll be the uh the lost episode um
1: like the holy grail of mount hermeneutica i don't know
2: where I, i don't know where it went when we when we recorded it right so it's funny because as everybody's been giving us feedback and by the way thanks everybody for the feedback um everybody that's communicating directly with me the first that gets into like episode one and two the first thing they say is like you guys this audio sucks and i'm like i know i know i know it gets better like you got to bear with us and then uh like i remember one of the comments was like do i need to take up a uh like a fundraiser to get andre a new microphone and i was like well in fairness he was in his car on bluetooth and they're like oh that'll do it So anybody that's made it through the first four episodes, and maybe it's five, uh, appreciate you guys hanging with us. But uh, yeah, the technology has been has been a challenge in of itself. And we've just been doing all this like linearly, right? So we're addressing like one thing at a time. That's why our you know first seven, eight, nine episodes on YouTube don't have video. Um, I think I have the video somewhere recorded, but we weren't editing in real time. So it would be like a recut which would be like a remaster, if you will. Um, And I don't know that we have the bandwidth for that. So now we're trying to make a better go at, uh, you know, keeping the audio and the video integrated so that they can both be, you know, watched and viewed or listened to at the same time. But let us know in the comments also what format you guys prefer. Is is regular traditional podcasting audio only what you guys are interested in or or who's consuming via YouTube? So let us know that, um, because we don't know where to spend our time and energy. Um, and for those that don't know, we don't have an army of uh, interns working for us. It's literally just the three of us, um, mostly me doing the editing and then Dre's helping me out with the social media posts, but let us know which ones are easier to consume, better to consume, um, And, uh, keep the comments going and anybody listening on YouTube, please like, and subscribe below. Uh, the subscription helps our analytics, uh, keeps, it gets, you know, helps the algorithm get us up in the top. So people find us, but drop comments, like get some conversation going. Um, we have it turned on its free form. So anybody, any comments are, are will go, um, Mm -hmm. you know, tell us what you like, what you don't like, ask a question, you know, talk amongst yourselves. Like let's make it hot.
0: Yeah. And um, I do have a new microphone. Uh, <laughs> I don't. What I what I don't have is a lot of privacy though. So I, you know, I've got a house full of you know people from time to time. And so you'll probably hear my dogs bark or my granddaughter you know yell at something or or like last week my granddaughter and wife you know had a little cameo just popped over my shoulder because something something was going on. So um, but yeah, now I'm in my dining room right here in my house with all the the, the goings on over there. So yeah, hey it's still better than the Mazda though. So, in the parking lot of Much of like better. a base PX. I mean, yeah. that's that's where I was
2: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> outside the shop. <laughs> that's
0: right. People coming out with all kinds of booze. I'm like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so. Speaking of comments, so Jason, hey, thanks for the 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 questions. You mentioned that you're only on episode one and you lost the pilot. So the funny thing is, in the pilot, we actually talked about our faith background. So it's kind of funny that we haven't gone back and revisited that, and we should probably mention that from time to time quickly, just so people actually kind of have a point of reference as to where we're coming from. Uh, So I think maybe we go around the horn real quick and kind of tell everybody you know, where our faith kind of comes from, or I guess that's a weird way to state it, but the basis of our faith and kind of who we are. And since I'm talking, I'll start. Um, I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, very traditional Southern Baptist for those that know, if you know, you know, Um, lots of Wednesday nights and Sunday evenings. And a couple of times a year we do a revival, which was nothing but hellfire brimstone, lots of singing, no dancing because we're Southern Baptist. And um, I I probably went to, I I went to church as as early as I can remember. I mean, and I'm old enough that I have pictures of me wearing a suit as like a four-year-old to church like that's how Southern Baptist, I grew up. I um, went to church all through high school, did the youth thing, um, joined the Marine Corps and, you know, they're not most the most compatible with uh, with 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 your deep religion and and faith following. Neither being in your early twenties, um, uh, so I I would say I am today not a Southern Baptist, um, not for a specific reason other than I don't follow any. You know, there's parts of it I like and parts of it I don't, and I'm not going to get into all of that here because that's a that's a show in of itself. But Brian, you you haven't talked. You want to talk about your faith background?
1: Uh, Yeah. I wasn't raised in, in the church. Uh, We had, I had uh, we'd go to church on occasion on Christmas Eve and stuff. Um, I was 17 years old before I realized that Easter was, was supposed to be in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. That's how, that's how little we talked about religion in my, my upbringing. I was huge into, into martial arts as a, as a teenager. And so uh, I kind of, I, I, basically I was a Zen Buddhist for all intents and purposes. Um, but if you, but when I joined the Marine Corps, when they asked what, what should go on my dog tags, we, we put Protestant Christian for, for whatever reason, but, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian until I was 20 years old in the Marine Corps, um, became a born again, Christian. I, uh, met someone who was able to answer my questions. Um, before, when I would, uh, when I, when I was in high school, people would invite me to church and I would, I would just ask them questions like, you know, not to challenge them or be, be rude or attack them, but just out of genuine curiosity. Well, why, why do you guys believe this stuff? Um, why do you believe the Bible is a word of God and Jesus is the son of God and rose from the dead and all that stuff. And they'd, they never really answered they just kind of they just kind of seemed offended that i was asking and it was more like a, what you don't believe that um and uh it just the uh the sense i got was that they they believe this was just virtuous to believe for its own sake without any basis in reason or evidence and so i just never really had much interest in it Till somebody was it, till somebody answered my questions and gave me Josh McDowell's more than a carpenter and uh, there were a bunch of other events that led to me realizing that uh, God is real and Jesus Christ is his uh, representative of himself is is God incarnate and I became a Christian in uh, on Easter Sunday of 1996 and uh, been uh, been at it ever since.
2: So last but not least, Dre, yours is probably the most complicated. So I thought we thought we'd go last with you.
0: Uh, so I uh, my my father is from Alabama and my mother's from San Fernando Valley in Southern California. He's a Southern Baptist and she was a Lutheran. So as I was growing up, there was always lots of you know God talk in my house, but nothing nothing really. We didn't we didn't go to church. When I did go to church, I went with my great grandmother and. Um, and I think uh, she was just, a, I think, a born-again Christian. And we went to, you know, that's where I learned how to do all the songs and, and, and had fun. But then one time, when I, one day when I was about seven years old, my mother uh, had some Bible study with some Jehovah's Witnesses. And also there was a Jehovah's Witnesses that were in my father's work. And uh, and then they converted. So So by the time I was seven years old, that was my last... That was my last um Halloween as, as it were. And I dressed up as <laughs> as as Yoda, because uh, uh Return of the Jedi was coming out right around that time and uh definitely Empire Strikes Back. So I was Yoda for my very last Halloween when I was seven years old. Um so just growing up in in the the Jehovah's Witness way, um, you know, I was on the street in a suit from the time I was eight until I was close to
2: yeah, Drake got a little background noise there. Somebody uh, must have riled up the the canines. Yeah. While he's while he's settling that down, I I just make a comment that's got to be really uh, memorable because of the the nuance there, that whole last Halloween thing, that's kind of that's kind of a funny thing, you know. Kids like, "Man, I used to like Halloween, <laughs> all that free right. candy." Yeah, what's, I'm
0: kind of bummed about. What's that. wild about that is that I didn't get my last Christmas at that time, right? That so it happened we, right in between. Yeah, so like in November. Halloween to we don't celebrate Christmas, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm seven. You're like, hold <laughs> on, what did I do wrong? Right. So <laughs> I've been good all year. My brother's only two, so he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't he, remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I was doing, so it's, it's three nights a week. There's the, uh, there's the Tuesday night Bible study. Of course, there's the, the Sunday watchtower meeting and in the sermon. And then Thursday night is theocratic ministry school. So for a long time, even when I, when I was about in junior high, I did a lot of theocratic ministry school stuff where they, they teach you about how to talk to people, basically the sales pitch. Right. And then you actually get get um get graded on it so you would so basically you would get like a bible passage you'd have to read it and whatever like for that week one of the times i remember i think i was 12 um hand gestures was the thing i was being graded on so wow as so you're like getting like
2: public speaking skills as a child yeah i I mean mean, that's useful
0: it's (laughs) it was and and it is um but Anyway, by the time I got to high school, my my dad really wasn't involved in it. My mother was the only one in our house baptized. I um I kind of fell out of that thing, and then I joined uh, the United States Marine Corps. And as you know, little little, little uh, yeah, just so <laughs> so so Jehovah's Witnesses are conscientious objectors, and and they don't you know they don't pledge allegiance to the flag. They don't pledge allegiance because they don't put the flag above God. Um, so I had to just convinced my recruiter that i was denouncing that and then i and then i went so but before i went to boot camp i met a young lady she's from utah and she and her family are all lds so as i go to a boot camp this is i'm like hey i got this this girl that i'm into so i'm gonna start just checking out the lds faith while i'm there and you um, to be
2: clear lds for those for those that don't the, know what it stands for the church
0: of jesus christ of latter-day saints also known as mormons so so you probably heard the the mormon word and the, but they are they are latter-day saints um
2: they they kind of they kind of consider that to be like the m word right with them, it, they, it they, is, they don't right? like that as as, as, it's, as it's a pejorative more so than a descriptor
0: i think so lately yeah yeah e- even though they do read out of the book of mormon right right so that's where that's where that haven't
1: they is. been kind of leaning into that though the mormon label
0: no. No, quite the opposite. Yeah, mm. quite the opposite. Um mm. but uh yeah, so I got you know, I got privileges in boot camp because their their service was super long and there was no drill instructors there. So that was fun. But I, I ended up getting married to the to the lady. I, I I have never converted. Um if I do go to church on Sundays, it is an, an LDS uh chapel that I do go to and uh and go through their you know through their Sundays. Um all, all of my children were baptized in the LDS um, my oldest daughter is is the most practicing uh, she she got married uh, to another LDS member they got married and sealed in the temple and uh, yeah and my, and my son yeah you know, he's, he's working on it. he's got an LDS girlfriend and he's he's like in Utah right now and uh, yeah, yeah so yeah. so of the of the two faiths that I'm the most familiar with they're both non-trinitarians so if you listen to the a few episodes back, you can kind of kind of hear where I'm coming from and, and Brian explained, you know, why the Trinity is, is Christianity. And, you know, we, I don't have to rehash those three episodes, but it was a good time. So I, I'm learning. Yeah, we'll, put a,
2: we'll put a link up here. If, <laughs> if I can figure out how to do links, we'll link back to that episode. Cause I think that's probably highly germane to what we just talked about, but, but, <laughs> Yeah. Thanks guys. And Jason, thanks for asking that because we did lose that initial, we did a whole, you know, hour of us telling who we are and how we met and all of those kinds of things. We met in the Marine Corps. I'll just, sim- I'll, I'll hyper simplify that. So we've known each other for going on 25, 26 30. years, almost
1: 30 years. Oh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> it would have been 94. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely yeah, late, was 29 years
2: at this point. Yep. Yeah, so going on 30 years, you guys uh, are that, old that, that we've known each other. Um, and you can imagine there's a lot that goes into having known each other for that long. So that's that's kind of our backgrounds. Um, but thanks for asking. Thanks for reminding us that, that didn't exist in context. So now we have it restated um, for those that didn't know or maybe kind of lost the bouncing ball. I found
1: uh, my Fort Wachuka T-shirt.
2: I have mine somewhere today. also. Still, I it's did. it's threadbare. Yeah, but I I've, I've l- kept
1: it. I almost wore it for nostalgia purposes, but it would have just—it wouldn't have been, yeah, appropriate for.
2: The only unit T-shirts that I kept, I kept my Fort Huachuca just because it's red, and it seems like every other unit T-shirt was either brown or green. I have my SOI T-shirt, my MCT black T-shirt, because it wasn't brown or green, and then I kept my T-shirt from Sergeant's Course. Those are the only three uh, unit T-shirts that I kept.
0: I uh, graduated Fort Huachuca at 177 pounds. Yeah. By the time I was a corporal, which is just, you know, a year or two later, I was 205 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) When I retired, I was 243 pounds. So the Fort Huachuca t-shirt might fit fit my son. Yeah. And he's probably not. Probably not. He's. He's yeah, my he's,
2: size or bigger. Yeah. yeah. So, and he's so, a little heavier than I am. I think. Yeah. At this point. I,
0: I I might have that shirt in a in a tote somewhere with also my medium size camis. Which oh,
2: your mediums?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but those were the tricolors from back from back in the day.
2: Yeah, I didn't keep any of my tricolors. I have a set of my digis that were actually mediums. So I was still in mediums uh, when I deployed. Um. Mm. So yeah, times 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 have changed.
0: Camis run big, though. I only wore a large.
2: Yeah, but my mediums, I, I actually wore them to Huntington last two weeks ago. Oh,
0: nice. And nice.
2: I, I definitely wore them with the top button unbuttoned. And, uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> my problem with the cameras it doesn't matter what size they are, the wrist is all the same size. So if you try to roll them up, roll them up for and sleeves, at, at, yeah. at one point, um, probably the last 10 years of my career, my arms were over 20 inches. So th- they had to get cut. They were mm-hmm. just yeah. unserviceable in the summer. And in the winter, I had to have a whole other set of of camis. That's, that's
2: the price you pay for for being beefy.
0: Totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. To- <laughs> totally worth it. So, boys, yeah.
2: what, what do we want to talk about tonight?
1: Was that the Was that all the feedback?
2: I think that was the that was the only one that I saw in the in the socials. Yeah, was the one okay. from Jason. But more questions, more comments, guys, and we'll get to them. So we definitely want to leave places to uh, to address those things. So, Jason. Since you were the one to break the seal, um, now that you've you're out there, like you're as you're chewing through your next couple of episodes, come back and tell us what you think. I, I will tell you guys that I have a uh, a professional colleague that I just reconnected with after a long time that we hadn't talked, and uh, I put him onto the podcast. He's a podcaster professionally, um, so I we kind of shared some podcasting, and uh, he, I put him onto our show, and he instantly took Brian's side on like three different points. I'm not even going to read the text to you, but he, he thinks Brian's a genius. So well, clear, clearly, Dave Golding's not well, as intelligent as I thought he was. Um,
0: I mean, he is the theological badass of our group. So <laughs> Matt, Matt pulls the lever and brings the clever, you know. And I, you know, I'm just here for whatever. For I'm, sort of, I'm here for diversity purposes, maybe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dre's our diversity higher. We had and to check the box
0: non-trinitarian, not because I'm a negro. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um. So the last couple of days, uh, I just you know I wanted, I, we're, we we do nephilim talk right. So we're we're in the DCW. I uh, I opened up and I and I read Genesis oh, again from from the beginning. And, uh, some some things just kind of jumped out at me. Yeah. Um. So Genesis three one five, where it, it talks about the animities that that's going to happen between Satan and in the in the woman's seed. And how she is going to bear a child is going to, you know, bruise his heel on, you know, basically the Satan seeds. I will put enmity between you and the woman, head, between your right? seed and hers.
1: You he will strike his, he will crush your head and he will strike his heel. That one. Yes. Yeah.
0: So that's, like, uh, the war kicked off right there. Like, he, yeah, here we are, you, you know, it's, it, it's crazy how much information and how much time lapse that goes in to the first few chapters of genesis i think it's somewhere like 2000 years you know the antediluvian period right before the flood does that check um, out scholars think that well, uh, well that's before adam,
2: that's that's before we discount the fact that in the first like three verses a couple billion years have transpired
1: right i'm not eh, i'm not sure about that but i mean
0: adam lived 900 years right and he yeah, was according, dead according the flood. to the text but right yeah i just i i'm i'm i'm
1: uncomfortable reading it in those terms like trying to to match it to to cosmic time as we know it because they wouldn't have they wouldn't have had that understanding of it at the time but okay, sure. anyway i don't i don't want to derail you guys' thought process but,
0: with my but generations for sure yeah right. um i'm not sh- like i'm not sure. If we're if we're looking
1: at actual history from what we can from what we can know outside of the Bible, um, the, the flood, the event that the ancients remembered as the flood would have been the Younger Dryas uh, extinction event, which was about twelve thousand years, and behaviorally modern humans have existed for about fifty thousand years, so that's about uh, like forty thousand years of of time between first first verse three and verse six or chapter well, three and, and chapter I, six yeah and I, i'm i'm uncomfortable kind of you know lying lining it up by that because it's it's hard Why? it's hard to well because it's they wouldn't have had that understanding of of time at the when genesis was written
2: well of course they don't but we do now having the, the benefits of everything after the fact So the point is, is if, I think, I mean, if you're talking about a verse, so going, I think, and Dre, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're saying basically going from chapter two, right? So
1: uh, where are we? Chapter three, when the the fall.
2: No, well, I'm saying from two, right? So you start at, you know, um, Eve was made in chapter two, right? Right. Yes. Right. So the point is from chapter two to chapter three is the fall. And then from three to six and then from three to six is the flood. And so the point is in that short of a period. Right. Thousands of years transpire.
1: Yeah. So yeah I, I, w- I would agree with that. Yeah.
0: I, I, I found this, uh this pattern where, where the, where it, it like talks about um, lineage and kind of goes on and then, and it usually just mentions family members in one or two verses, but throughout the Bible, when it has somebody that's either uh, noteworthy or infamous, they spend a little bit of time on them. So I never, I mean, everyone they knows. Get, the they Cain get some
2: and, character development.
0: Yeah. The Cain and Abel story. Cool. Everybody knows that one. But what I never really paused to take a peek at was when it talks about Cain and his family line. So, I found that super fascinating because Cain's the first dude that, that actually lies, that's human recorded. Because even Adam and Eve didn't lie, they just, they just obfuscated, right? They're like, um he gave me the fruit, but she gave me the fruit. <laughs> you know, like, like, your, like, you like, gave me, gave like me your
2: toddler. Fruit. It's like, what did you do? Like, uh, it, what do you mean? <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, and they're like hiding their private parts and acting naked and running around. So, that's, but but Cain's just straight up, like, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What'd you do with them? <laughs> right? So then it it goes on and records Kane's family. Mm-hmm. And then uh and it's interesting that Kane would be the inventor of cities. And I I kind of found it for, first of all, it, it's weird that Kane and Seth's line have a lot of the intertwining names. So I don't know if that's because there was enough people and and names weren't super common, like Enoch was Cain's yeah. son, but he's not the Enoch that we know, right? And the same with Lamech, because uh, isn't Lamech the grandfather of of Noah? But that Lamech isn't the same one that's in the same line as Cain, right? Anyway, uh, but to be the inventor of a city and to not uh, name it after God was was something that struck out. To me too, so he named me. What do you mean
2: inventor? Of, I've never, I'm not. He's the
0: first dude to like create a city, right?
2: He created it,
0: yeah. Is there uh, where do you get he that founded from? cities? Yes, he he's, he's the first one noted or recorded it that founded cities, which is I, ironic I, considering how he was well, but he's he
1: a nomad, he was exiled to wander and so he founded cities,
2: yeah. But he, hang on. But cities, cities. cities He he wasn't the first one to create a city though, because he went to a city or a land. No,
0: he he went to a land, but that's not a city. Mm, Okay. And and then if you, the Sumerian text, also the the oldest city in Sumerian text is is very similar to the Hebrew uh, Enoch. I think it's Uruk is the name of of that city. Hmm. But the next two cities mentioned in the Bible after Cain's city uh, is Nimrod's city, and then Sodom and Gomorrah. So I find it interesting that each each city that's mentioned early in the Bible is is kind of an kind of an evil line.
1: Yeah, because God commanded humanity to to multiply, increase in number, fill the earth. Whereas cities are people mm-hmm. gathering to to kind of cluster and be be stationary. But, but here's. I guess here's, I passed over that. I never
2: really. It's it's funny that I maybe because I always stopped at some of the other stuff, but I, I never noticed that. I also never really note picked up on the thing about Tubal So
0: so there's two two verses that, that kind of list Cain's Cain's little patriarchal line, and then it comes to a dude named Lamech, mm-hmm. and and Lamech, perhaps his family might be the first ones to intermingle with with angels and the reason why you say that is because when it stops at lemak all of a sudden it, it gets more personal it's it, it devotes like a whole uh more verses to him and his family it lists out his sons not just one son but it lists out three of them um
2: oh and you know what it doesn't explain it doesn't explain who the fu- so i see what you're saying so it's verse 19 right forward 19. we
0: lose you no i'm here
2: oh okay yeah. um so so 419 I, I see that it says lamech married two women one named ada and the other zyla and then it says oh wait no i, I misread that so, it says but, Ada gave birth okay never mind but
0: i i think what um what's significant about that is so god sets up the institution of marriage with adam and eve mm-hmm. but this dude Lamech comes along he's like i'm gonna take two wives why because i'm not i'm not into god and also he, he brags, and I think it's the first time that we see some kind of uh, Hebrew poetry that's kind of stuck in the middle of, of of a verse. So maybe it was a song that Lamech had written, and he just brags about killing dudes, and there's nothing anybody can do about it, right? So he kills people, um, and then he also talks about, he kind of mocks God by uh, God gives Cain, so his grandfather Cain gets this protection if anybody harms Cain it's mm-hmm. sevenfold. But Lamech's like I don't need your protection because if anybody hurts Lamech, I'm going to kill him seventy and sevenfold. Mm-hmm. And I went ahead and took two wives. And the very next time that the Bible mentions anyone taking two or taking wives it's when the angels take uh, women. So- You're focusing
2: on the word take. Versus well, having I mean, a liver, or,
0: or or even just having multiple wives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then his his next sons, or or Lamech's sons. So you got Jebel, and he is the father of tents and cattle. And then you got Jubal, who's basically the inventor of music. And then you got Tubal Cain, named after the first dude that mm-hmm. they kill somebody. He makes tools and um weapons and things of that nature and his sister is super beautiful so it kind of seems like there's like an explosion of technology that happens on that family right there at that moment
2: well there's definitely that throwback that throwback to the bronze and iron capability which is straight up technology right
0: or even having a job as being a cattle so so by a means of making a bunch of money
2: you're saying that like before that they just existed and now they've gone into full blown like professions, right? So like-, like,
0: of course you got to you got to herd a sheep because that's how you eat. But now it's a profession, and you can you can sustain that. And then it becomes a job later on as you as you read through the Old Testament, lots of dudes had jobs being yeah. being a herder. Um, so you have your money, your wealth, and then you have your entertainment, and then you have your weapons, and then you have a beauty, right? So was so here's here's like the question because then the and then the very next chapter talks about Cessline and then the chapter right after that is fallen angels. Did did these angels offer this technology in exchange for women, and would that make Nema the sister of Tubal Cain the first mother of the Nephilim?
2: i mean it it seems seems plausible right um
1: well i i will i will grant that the the bible the the biblical narrative isn't always chronological like it's not always like sometimes they the the narration covers certain events and then later on they kind of they explain they back explain what was going on back back here so it's it's i couldn't rule it out but i i i don't know that there's any particular reason to believe that though
0: um i don't know if there's any particular reason to call her out by name so there's four women even mentioned that that does raise eyebrows before the flood
1: like the that does i mean that
0: does uh call out for explanation sure um and if you look at at other texts at that time, Sumerian or if you're an if you're an ancient alien guy, you would you would know that aliens came down and, and imparted all kinds of knowledge and and you know gave it to people in, in 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 different time periods. So maybe it wasn't exactly that family, but that period of time when there was fallen angels hooking up with women, maybe men to become more renowned were selling their wives off to angels to, to, to pick up some of this knowledge. And I, and I think going back to Genesis three, one, five, Satan knew at that moment that it would be the seed of, of Eve that would, that would bear the Messiah. So to prevent that from happening, he needed to corrupt them. So we don't know how old Cain was when he killed Abel or how long they had been out there doing their you know gardening and their and their in their sheep herding but how long was Satan in Cain's ear before you know cuz they because God was still on earth somewhere they still had to go somewhere to give that sacrifice and Cain didn't give one favorable which then made him mad and he killed his brother so that takes out two birds with one stone because there's Cain can't birth the Messiah and Abel now can't birth the Messiah. So we they don't they don't know who's gonna be when when is this Messiah gonna come? We need to corrupt every single man that that goes. So on the whole Cain side, if we just mess up their DNA with angel stuff and angel magic and the occult, then we know that that will not be. So, so then, so the, so then the, the Bible deals with with Seth and his line.
2: So I've read, I mean, I think that's entirely plausible simply because I remember reading somewhere and it was, it was a secondary source. So it wasn't a biblical source, but it makes reference to the fact that Noah was the last pure, pure blood and that everything after Noah had some level of. I don't, I don't know what the right word here to use is. I'm looking for a genetic phrase, right. But some type of a derivative of that Nephilim offshoot. Um, and I don't know. And the weird thing is if he was the only pure blood, that means his wife wasn't. Right. So that means if we play this genealogy, genealogy game, then going back up, you know, Noah's wife couldn't have been pure. Otherwise all of their children would have been pure. Right. Um, And I don't remember what what I was reading, so I can't I can't cite it. It was definitely something
0: out of the DCW or. I think that Noah and his family was all pure. That was the point of of saving them on the ark.
2: It. That's not what I was reading, and I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that. Like I, I unfortunately didn't bookmark whatever I was looking at. Right. because it would have it would have said all of them were if that was the case. But if they were all pure, and then ostensibly they only bred with one another after they landed after the flood, then the purity would have been perpetual.
1: I'm not. Or is it spiritually pure? I'm not. Well, it says he was he was righteous in all the earth. The the text itself doesn't say anything about his, uh, his about his his, his genetics, bloodline. right? Um, but I mean, I do think there there was a. I, I, and i i don't have anything from the text specifically to say this i do think there was a genetic component to bringing about the messiah but i couldn't you know i couldn't say i couldn't justify that other than that it had to be of the line of david of his like the physical descent of david Mm -hmm. who had to be the of the physical line of judah who of course came from jacob from isaac from abraham and going back to noah and, and seth mm-hmm. uh why you were talking? i never heard this stuff about nema before while you were talking i looked it up wikipedia has an article on nema um describes who she is in genesis she is often conflated with or connected to Nama of the zohar one of the first women to seduce the gregory and birth nephilim so dre might be on to something the zohar if you're not familiar hey hey <laughs> it's a uh it's one of the the f- foundational text of kabbalah hmm. jewish mysticism right. um which is of course as we've discussed there's a kabbalah along with hermetic alchemy along with angel magic it's uh it's a major component of western occult tradition um which is as we've discussed with in our talk about john d and uh and Aleister Crowley and Jack Parsons, this this whole idea of seducing the Watchers and getting this hidden knowledge—it's it's kind of a major recurring theme going from Genesis up to, through the Middle Ages
0: to to today. Um, and, yeah, I do think that it does trace it, it does trace all the way back up, or or that occult goes back to her because uh, or someone like her because some think that even she was deified later to become maybe venus because of who she was associated with like vulcan and uh was it mercury like war gods and gods of of you know weaponry like like vulcan dude that's mars Mars,
2: yes that's that's pretty wild then because that would be tubalcane right the whole tool and the weaponry and everything that's that's actually crazy
0: And if, and if he gained that strength or gained that technology through divine intervention due to sex, well, then maybe we can get the next thing through sex, like Jack Parsons and, uh, and, uh, Tom Cruise boy, L Ron Hubbard was trying to, was trying to pull out, trying to get, get, get Babylon so that they can birth the antichrist.
1: I do think we should be cautious about over speculating, um, I mean, I think that these are interesting questions to raise, but I'm not sure we can conclude. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you have, you were, if you were taking that
0: somewhere or no, was I was. Just a- I mean, I'm, I'm taking it that that I, I agree with you that the occult goes all the way back, yeah. to Genesis six, and if not to Genesis four, I guess is the. And, and that's here. and that's where when I was reading Genesis four, I was saying I was thinking there was a direct line from four to six, which crosses into our topic uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's, it, it's as I've been studying all this, it, it it you know the the obvious question is well why, why doesn't the Bible just say all this stuff outright? Why does it like why do why do we need the Book of Enoch to fill in the blanks for what happened in in Genesis six and explain what happened to the watchers and, and all the, all the other stuff that's going on behind the scenes in Daniel. And I, I kind of, it seems like the, the biblical writer's purpose wasn't to call attention to the watchers and to the, to humans getting this, this magical knowledge and this, all, all the, all of this, these occult secrets, like they didn't want it. They didn't want the Bible to be written as a how to for how to, to summon watchers and and birth nephilim um but they wanted to acknowledge its role in corrupting humanity um and so um well that depends on your view of the the intent
2: behind the people that set canon
0: so but, what, but no i did i did read i think i read somewhere this week and i can't remember where it was where he the, the author of, of what i was reading damn i wish i knew but um He was saying that the Bible is accounts of God and man and that struggle and, and the Messiah, where the Apocrypha talks a lot about angels and what they were doing. So there's kind of this, this angel uh, narrative that goes on the Apocrypha, um, specifically Enoch and Jubilees and which, yeah. which is interesting that the name Jubal is one of the sons, which means trumpet and Jubilees. So like, he really was like the music guy.
1: I kind of like Matt to elaborate on what you just yeah. said. Like, what, do you, so, what do you mean so, by that? So I've had an, a
2: longstanding burr under my saddle with regard to canon. And we've talked about it a bit amongst ourselves offline. We haven't actually done it online fully. I think we touched on it during one of our episodes early on. Maybe it was like. I think it was maybe our Holy Spirit episode.
1: We had a pretty lengthy discussion about why uh, why there hasn't there haven't been more right books why there haven't the been canon. more books.
2: But but I have I have I have a burr under my saddle <clears throat> about apocrypha, specifically Dead Sea Scrolls, specifically Enoch and Jubilees. Um, I haven't read much about all of the the apocrypha, so I don't have a formed opinion on all of it. But I'll simple I'll hyper simplify. And just kind of, I'll give you guys the baby up front, then I'll give a little more detail. I believe it was the Roman Catholic Church that structured this. and Whatever that means, the early church, the Vatican, to to make it more specific, um, determined at some point that there was parts of the quote-unquote Bible. And I say the Bible because it's part of the Ethiopian Bible, right? So it was the Bible at one point. These were taken out. It's not that these weren't considered to be added in. So I'm I, I, And I won't, just to be clear, I'm not interested in an ulterior, an alternative version of that story. It was part of the Bible. Um, whether it was our Bible or not, it's a different conversation, but there was more than one Bible, and that was why we had all of these, these sessions where all these popes or bishops came together and argued, right? But I can't help but believe that the Catholic Church, the Vatican, decided these are either too difficult to talk about, they, they're they not helpful, or they open up conversations that are um, you know, uh, less than beneficial to the Vatican. And so we're just going to take them out. And I think now while saying that, any Catholic listener was just highly offended by me saying that, I think the good news is that taking them out doesn't limit or decrease the ability for one to understand God and to become saved. So it's not as if that removal uh, neutered the Bible or 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 took away from the ability for one to know God, but that doesn't mean that those books weren't inspired writings and or should not be part of the story for man to have either as a cautionary tale or as just pure history. So that's my, that's my position.
1: When did the Vatican, so you're saying the Vatican removed books from the Bible, which, which books specifically? I'm specifically
2: speaking to Enoch and Jubilees.
1: When were they removed? I don't know.
2: And I, I, I and asking me these kinds of like, you know, let's do this wizards duel about when and which cataclysm, what catechism was it? I don't know. But all I can tell you is, is if those books are in the Ethiopian <laughs> Bible, they were in the Bible at one point.
1: I I don't think that follows from that observation. It just means that the Ethiopian Church had them while others. The
2: Ethiopian didn't. Bible is older than our Bible.
1: What do what you like? Meaning, what? Like, how how are you? How are you dating the age of the Ethiopian Bible?
2: I'm saying the thing? Ethiopian Bible existed before all of the Vatican One, Vatican Two, Nicene, Constantinople conventions happened, and so whatever canon was established by all of those guys. The Ethiopians were unaffected.
1: Well, you're, the way you're, you're telling this, the way you're narrating this, you're, it's, this suggests that like the, the mainstream church didn't have a Bible until, until the Catholic church canonized no, there it. There were multiple Bibles. Well, there were, we, we use the word Bible as shorthand for the collection of the canon. Mm, right. Um <clears throat> It's not it's not that they had multiple Bibles, they had the same basic core documents. Um s- some pockets of the church didn't include Second Peter, right. or some pockets did include that, but also included the, the Shepherd of Hermas, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I mean, so they had the Bible, they had the they had the books we have in the Bible. They just they didn't there was no reason to make an official list until certain heresies rose up where they like the first the first heresy where they had an actual church council to establish the to establish the this was in rome during the marcionite heresy and it was only because he was trying to get rid of all of the non-pauline scriptures like he tried to he, he, was, he was pushing this kind of offshoot of, of Gnosticism, which had it that the God of the Old Testament was evil and the, Jesus came to save us from the God of the Old Testament on, be, on behalf of the one true God. And to support this, he basically did away with the Old Testament. He did away with, uh, all, with uh, Matthew, Mark, and John and any epistle that wasn't Paul's and, and, a, and he kind of cut and pasted parts of Luke that he liked and cut out parts that he didn't. And that was the Bible he was offering. And so it, it was really just in response to episodes like that that the church had to come up with a canon in the first place. But it's, it's, at no point did they, did they have the book of Enoch in the canon and then somebody made a conscious decision to remove it. Um, I would argue that that John's discussion with uh, with Nicodemus in John chapter three, he's I think he's he's referencing the Book of Enoch when he says. So for, for anybody who hasn't read the Book of Enoch, it tells the story. It it provi- it expands on Genesis six, explaining how these two hundred beings called Watchers descended on Mount Hermon. They swore their pact to take human women. They fathered the Nephilim. They gave all this forbidden knowledge to man. God flooded the earth. They were locked up in Tartarus. Um, then it tells the story of how Enoch was taken up into heaven. And he was, he, he, he kind of had this tour of, of heaven in which he was showing all the geography and all the sites and Emerald mountains and stuff. And he also went to Sheol to see where the, to the, to the abyss, to see where the watchers were locked up. And it's, it's kind of uh it was kind of renowned during the second temple period, during the time of Jesus for these elaborate descriptions of, of the scenery in heaven. And so when, when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and uh, said, rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God for no one can do the signs you were doing unless God were with him. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And then they, they have their discussion about being being born again in the spirit um, at one point, Jesus tells him, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. That is the son of man. Um, I think that was a reference. I think I th- knowing how largely the book of Enoch loomed in the thinking of of Jews at the time, um, and we, we've, we've talked about that before, and Michael Heiser talks about that in, in Unseen Realm and Reversing Herman um, and lots of other material he's put out now that we know that i think i think it's a it's a reasonable inference that nicodemus had that in mind when he came to jesus and he he was thinking well since since jesus is a teacher who came from from heaven um who he was a teacher from god well maybe he can speak to this and likewise share share some kind of report on what what the geography is heaven like can, can he tell can he can he tell us something akin to what Enoch is reported to have said in the book of Enoch. I think Jesus was was basically rejecting Enoch as scripture. And yeah, he says, I don't think so. That didn't happen. No one has ever seen this. I, okay. that's,
2: so Why? so I find it weird that you pick Enoch. So if we back up and I was to ask the question, who are the people that supposedly ascended to heaven? Or let me ask it a different way. Who didn't die? Enoch and Elijah. Right. Who do people say? what name is shouted when christ is dying on the cross it wasn't enoch
1: aloy aloy lama sabactani they,
2: they say is, is they say he's that what you're talking about they're referring to elijah
1: okay he's calling elijah right, right. Okay. so so why would you jump to enoch as the one to refute why is he not refuting elijah because there's because there's no literature that has elijah having a vision of heaven there's it's, also no literature of 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 anybody ever pre- assuming that christ was was
2: enoch or that he prays to Enoch, but okay. they're referencing Elijah.
1: Okay, so how, how is that relevant here? I'm saying you're picking
2: Enoch out of your pocket as who, not, who Christ I'm, is refuting as an inspired person, and
1: I'm saying why wasn't it Elijah that he was refuting? Okay, so no one is ever... Nicodemus at, comes to Jesus at night, right? And, mm-hmm. he, and he acknowledges him to be a teacher from God. Mm-hmm. The first thing out of Jesus' mouth is no one can see... Right. The kingdom of god unless he is born again right we don't know exactly what well the fact nicodemus, that he not
0: reported what he saw in heaven right jesus saying that didn't happen because... right but,
1: how, but why wasn't it a vision why is it what so there's so many times
2: that do, people do have under,
1: visions do you understand what i'm saying about the the conversation that nicodemus and and jesus I were having? understand what you're having
2: I'm, I'm i'm suggesting that you're making a bad inference about what it means Okay. because he clearly isn't he's definitely not clear he didn't use proper nouns so it's left it's left to
1: interpretation okay so we do read in the old testament how according to tradition and the book of enoch enoch went into heaven and had these visions of the of the scenes and the geography mm-hmm. there right
2: mm-hmm.
1: we also have elijah going to heaven but there's nothing He else doesn't report back it.
2: Right. right. But, he didn't come there, back.
1: But there is a there is a prophecy that Elijah would return before the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why they were saying that at the cross. But it, as far as but yet
2: he but but the point is he supposedly went also is my
1: point. So okay, what I'm trying point, to get at is Jesus my point saying, is that, my point is that you are specifically saying that the book of Enoch is inspired scripture. I'm pointing. Oh, out I didn't how, say that. I didn't say it is. I said, I'm not convinced that it's not. There's a difference. Okay. Fair point. Um, My point is that Nicodemus clearly came to talk to Jesus about, hey, what's heaven look like? Mm -hmm. And Jesus told him, well, that's not something you need to worry about until you're born again, because that's the the condition of seeing the kingdom of heaven. Right. Right. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you have not believed. How then will you believe? Right. Speak He's
2: basically things? saying, "Bro, pump
1: your brakes." So,
2: like yeah, right. I, 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 well, pump your brakes. Basically, what, so, the that's
1: Christ's version of going playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> We're talking okay. about okay. playoffs. But the oh, point is, oh. Nicodemus wanted to ask him about, "Hey, what's heaven like?" Right. Because he, like, why would he have this idea in mind that Jesus would have these these reports about the scenery in heaven? Mm-hmm. If not, I mean, I I don't think that's a coincidence, and I don't think I'm I don't think I'm reaching to say that you have this body of literature in which this happens. You have Nicodemus coming and asking Jesus to give his report about heaven, and Jesus tells him, "I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you have not believed. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things?" And then he says, "No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. That is the Son of Man." According to that this this story of Enoch going into heaven and seeing the sights there See, that whether whether even if that's even if you you want to argue that they didn't have that specifically in mind what Jesus just we what Jesus just said here still precludes that so so so, so
2: yes and no one Enoch's story of his trip to heaven could have been a vision and saying that nobody's had a vision of it is not what Christ said. He said nobody's nobody gets there without
1: through me, right? That's that's, that's not what the text says. What what are his exact words? What's the exact quote? The the book of Enoch No, mean in no. John? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he said No like one Eno. has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from
0: heaven. Means him. The, okay. The book of, so that the means Elijah's not in
2: heaven. So then so then so that
0: so based no, on it means that, Elijah hasn't come back. No. It means he hasn't Eno. gone to heaven.
1: Okay. I, I, honestly. I igno- I don't I don't know how to interpret that I don't I don't know how to to square what happened with what's reported with Elijah with this verse but what I do know That's is that, that the book
2: So so first of all I appreciate you but, saying that because what, what I do I, know... I'm cool with that I'm cool with us saying we don't know because it's, it's it gets a little wrapped but, around but itself right and but so what I do he's... know
1: is that the book of Enoch does narrate Enoch physically going to heaven and being given I, I a agree. tour I agree but could that have not been a vision Like maybe
2: he didn't physically go. Maybe he went metaphysically or maybe he just had a vision and he's just reporting his vision. Why is that not okay? Maybe,
1: but that's not what the book says.
2: No, but I mean, so now we're getting into that whole literal thing. Did Jonah really get swallowed by a big ass
1: fish? And, and, but the whole point of that story, it's based on the verse in, in Genesis where it says, Enoch walked, walked Enoch with God. Walked with God, and then he was no more. Right. The tradition is that he was no more because, because he ascended was physically, taken up in heaven. I agree. So I agree. So this idea about him having that oh, it wasn't physical or literal. He just had a vision. I, that,
2: but my point is simply that it's it's not clear, right? And and I understand what you're saying, and I don't. Wait, I what's d- not clear? Whether or not e- either Enoch or Elijah ascended into heaven. Like it's, it's, it's like, I'm confused because Christ said it doesn't happen. And yet we were told previously that it did twice. Christ didn't
0: say that it didn't happen. He he didn't say it didn't happen. He said that he didn't go and come back.
2: No, he doesn't say anything about coming back. He said, no man goes. that hasn't already been
1: there. That's what it says. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. Right. That is the son of
2: that's what he says, which is really weird.
1: Well, yeah. Which which then that
2: could have just been translated wrong or that might have been recorded improper. Maybe that's not what he said. Like, I mean, Uh. my point is both can't be true. It's a, it's a head did, scratcher, right? Christ right. can't have said that, and Elijah have ascended. So put a pin in Enoch, and that's my whole point. Is you, but, you and, and I'm not saying you, you, Brian. But, I'm saying everybody that's ever refuted the Book of Enoch. But let's be clear here: leans on that story, and then what Christ said in
1: John, but it invalidates Elijah. So like, where are we? I would. I mean. You know, people can make up their own minds make up their own minds about how Elijah fits into it. But what? But given the given the prominence of the book of Enoch at the time, I I think it's a it's a safe bet that that's what they had in mind. And Jesus was saying that that didn't happen. That's not that's not See, a that's not I, an authoritative I, story. I, I get it. And, and I read way, it this way. By the way, because Christ just, always just a point of just a point of clarification, though the book of Genesis does not say. Enoch was taken into heaven. No,
0: that's happens.
1: what, that's what tradition, that's how tradition interprets that.
2: But when it says no more, it actually, one interpretation says he didn't death, didn't, didn't, didn't claim him. So there there's um, one, there's one translation that says he didn't
1: die. I don't think it says that literally. There, I, there, there might there's a, a
2: translation. I forget which one it was. Cause I, I sit sometimes when I'm reading, um, you know, a verse in, in uh, Bible gateway. And I flipped through all the translations just to see the different ways that a verse is written. And there's a couple that say, and he didn't die. And it's really weird.
1: I'll see uh, if I can find it while
2: we're talking. I don't want to, yeah,
1: I don't want to, I don't right want to like sit here and. Um, Genesis five twenty four. Enoch walked with God yeah. and he was not for God took him. And it, the Septuagint says, and he was not found, for God took him, whatever that means. Right, but I mean, but the point to, is, I, I'm gonna be
2: honest. It's it, all of the different translations. It's pretty hard to hear God took him and not call that ascension.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's uh, that's that's how tradition typically reads it. But uh, I mean. Right, but I don't, but again,
2: so it's necessarily it doesn't. Demanded. Like I agree with you that like it doesn't jive. But the way that Jesus was known to speak in parables, like I, you could take away. If as far as I'm concerned, you could you could you could discount and ignore Enoch and or Elijah. This guy comes up Jesus and says, "Hey, tell me about heaven." He's like, "Why should I tell you about heaven? You don't even listen to me about the earth." And the guy's like, "No, seriously, tell me, tell me about heaven." He's like, "Look, nobody gets to go except me." Nobody's ever been, so why should I tell you? And the guy's like, "So you're not going to tell me what heaven looks like?" Like that's like that's the conversation. Right, He's like, like I don't care if anyone's been there. I've
0: been, you've been there, right?
2: I, I, just tell me I'm you asked, came. Asked like to you, you remember what it was like. Tell me. And Jesus is like, "No, I'm not wasting my breath on you because it's not worth it because you won't believe me about the other stuff." Like to me, that's as simple as the exchange was. It, 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 it's it's really odd to me to like use this like refutation of a person. And use that as a throwback, as a reason to discredit a book that showed up 400 pages before, a couple thousand pages before. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. And it feels like a retcon. And I'm just, and I'm not attacking you because I've read this in other places. This isn't your version of this, isn't the first time I've heard this, right? So this isn't me going at you and saying you're full of crap. I'm saying, I would say that to me, it's awful convenient. It's awfully convenient for who? For people that don't want Enoch to be canon. And that want to believe that it's not canon for good reasons because I believe it's not canon for bad reasons. And, oh, by Jesus the way, all no of our is... Cath- all of our Catholic listeners think there's a third person that ascended, and that's Mary. Okay. They believe that that Christ's mother ascended and and didn't die. So there's actually four if you count Enoch because there's Enoch, Elijah, Mary, and then Jesus okay. ascended after
1: he died. Well, I mean. You know, whatever whatever you think about the the canonization process, the fact remains, if Jesus said, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, then Enoch did not go into heaven. And if Enoch did not go into heaven, then the book of Enoch that reports this is not, this is not a, this is not inspired scripture telling of actual events.
2: So I believe... A week or two ago, we had an entire conversation around inspired writing, and whether or not the words had to be accurate for the inspirational implications to be valid.
1: Right? Yeah, and I, I, I kind of wish I'd been quicker on my feet when I had that conversation. The medium is not necessarily inspired. (laughs) The message is inspired. The medium is not necessarily. But for something like, for something like humans reporting eyewitness history that ha- things that happened on this earth in human experience, that's one thing. If there's a if there's a story about a man going to heaven and have in seeing the and describing the geography and hearing from a- and having conversations with angels, you're only going to get that by divine inspiration. That's not that's not. That's not in the category of the gospels which are which are written in the genre of history. Right. So I I, I
2: get that. I, I get what you're getting at. But again, I don't understand why a little bit of peeling the curtain back through a vision isn't plausible under the pretense of it having been... like, Because, I mean, our, 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 I don't know that we believe or are told that Enoch wrote the Book of Enoch, right? It could have been oral tradition passed down and then was written by somebody else. I don't even know that that's, that's described well, right? Like, who wrote Genesis? It's ostensibly the story of Moses, right? But, like, did Moses write it? Who was the dude with the pen on paper that actually wrote it? I don't think we know that.
1: Uh, we don't. Right. Um, but it was... So, Jesus so Jesus thought it was scripture. So, right, but he also references Enoch quite a fair bit.
2: So does Jude, right? And so, so my point is, is that the book can be, you know, chunks of it can be incorrect from a from a literal or a a an absolute standpoint. But the gist of it could be valid, right? Like the gist of it was, I mean, at the end of the day, Enoch is about the watchers. It's not about Enoch going to heaven and coming back, right? Like that's
1: a a tiny portion of the book. No, the majority of the book is Enoch's visions in heaven. The the tinier portion is the first few chapters where it talks about the watchers. And I, I would say that Enoch's value is not... Because Enoch, the book of Enoch is itself inspired scripture that should be read devotionally, but because it preserves this backstory that 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 existed beyond the book of
0: Enoch. Isn't it believed that Enoch is written in chunks also? So like the first section of it is written at a yeah. different time than the yeah. next couple sections. What, from what yeah. I've read is so like- so It second- could be like first and second Enoch really. And I think that it is broken down that way if you were like get an Apocrypha app it would give you like first, second, third, and fourth Enoch.
1: Yeah. Second Enoch was written like after the beginning of the church. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, but yeah, it it preserves a lot of Jewish traditions that grew out of it, but only first Enoch is, is really in play when you're, when you're reading the new Testament. Um, Okay. Yeah. Again, not because Enoch itself is inspired, but because it preserves the the background story that was commonly held in in the culture about genesis 6 and about uh, mount hermon and
2: i mean to be the the fact that the, the the title of mount hermon isn't even written in biblical text right that comes from enoch right yeah i don't be, i don't i don't believe the word mount hermon exists in the bible
1: that that's not true it's it's throughout the bible but the, as it, it relates it, to the watchers it's it's alluded to in the psalms like it like there's yeah. there's a psalm about uh how god's dwelling is in zion and how hermit mount Hermon looks on with envy and how the, the 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 uh the um god's anointing falls like the the dew of herman um so it's Without that background that you get from the Book of Enoch and the understanding that Mount Hermon was understood to be a, a like a major sacred site at the time, like those those references don't make a lot of sense. Right. But no, Mount Mount Herman is right. that, mentioned. That's what I that's quickly. what
2: I mean, is it's there's no there's no reference of it as a meaningful place as meaningful as well, it's not really to the watchers and right. Right. it's not right.
1: explicated on why it's meaningful but once you understand that it was meaningful and why then those things make sense it's kind of right. like what i was saying before about how the like the bible doesn't go into a it doesn't it doesn't go into a lot of detail about the watchers and the the nephilim and the the exchange of the the watchers giving forbidden knowledge to man but it's it is alluded to and when you under, once you understand that so much of the bible kind of comes alive
2: well, in fairness, okay. it doesn't, the Bible doesn't give a lot of explanation about a lot of things, right? Like it doesn't ever specifically explain Satan in, in a sense that we've built an understanding of it, him, right? Like, like uh, the whole, the whole, you know, the, 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 the morning star fallen angel, Lucifer is Satan is the devil. That's not, drawn out in connected dots like you yeah, have, it's like, you it's have
0: like to, es- esoteric texts
2: right you have to well, you have to have a lot of like external writings and then a whole lot of you know offline theology to come to that place
1: well it, it it's kind of like the other stuff like when you have that understanding of the the divine council worldview about how there um there are these these supernatural beings behind Nations that 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 are that are worshipped as gods then and then when you read isaiah 14 where it talks about the morning star um and the lucifer light bearer then that makes sense that it's it's talking about it's not talking about the physical mortal king of babylon but the power behind right. Babylon. But my um, point is, if
2: I'm not mistaken, there's a verse somewhere where Jesus is described as the morning star. That's the book of Revelation. Yeah. Right. So my point is, is it's one of those things where it's like, wait a minute. I thought the morning star was the devil. <laughs> like now the morning star is, you know, it's like, is that because he replaces? the? It, it, It's just, it's not as straightforward as a lot of, you know, casual Christians might walk around thinking. Because, you know, especially if you're raised, if you grew up in the church, like I did, right? You're just told this is, this is this. The snake was the devil. The devil was the morning star. The morning star was Lucifer, was an angel. Now it's Satan is the Leviathan. They're all the same. And you're like, so like you you need to, you got to become that, you know, the scene from sunny in Philadelphia with the dude with the strings all over the wall for it to like, to, to draw that conclusion. And there's a couple of inferences that had to be made also to get there. So. I'm not saying it's not, he's not right. But my point is, is it's not as simple as one plus one equals two. That's all.
1: Yeah. It's like I was saying a few weeks ago, you you have to kind of, you have to put yourself in the position of the, of the ancient reader and, and understand as best you can, what is the cultural background that this is written in? And then it, it, like when you when you use the book of Enoch and when you look to the Enuma Elish and other ancient near Eastern content about, uh, you know, what Mount Hermon. What did you just say? The Enuma, the what? The Enuma Elish, the Babylonian creation story. Yeah. Um, sure. yeah, yeah. That, that, that Enuma Elish, <laughs> um, you know, the Enuma Elish. Everyone's, that's, my,
0: that's my next purchase for my bookshelf. <laughs>
1: everyone's everyone's fourth favorite ancient near Eastern text. Um, okay, yeah, but, um, but yeah when you when you have that background understanding it that the bible makes a lot more sense um and uh you know like the tower of babel people read that and without understanding what a ziggurat was or what what babylon was or how ancient near eastern worship worked um People think that people mortals were trying to build a tower so humans can get into yeah, heaven. They could like an elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a like mm-hmm. the international space station where they can. With a, but uh, but no, it was a it was a invitation to, for heaven to come here, um, for sex, unless for sex
2: unless you unless you're a biblical flat earther. In which case they were trying to pierce the veil into heaven. Okay, why? Why? Wow! Don't ask me why. I'm not a biblical flat earther.
0: Well, okay. We're gonna to have to find one of these. You know, oh, explain okay. You to me like I'm a lance corporal. <laughs>
2: you're making a. <laughs> I'm not making a joke. Like these people exist. Oh, I know, I know I mean, yeah and they believe yeah. that there's a that there's a that there's a limit to the sky and that heaven is on the other side of it. like there's like
0: we but we Elon Musk just pierced that it yeah
2: it's all it's all fake. They believe well, that everything about us launching stuff into the sky never really happens and it's all showmanship
1: the thing is they they did I have an iPhone. A, they did believe in a flat earth. When the book of genesis is written along with everybody else <laughs> yeah it's it's still not it, it still wasn't that it was still a ziggurat it was still oh i'm with you i'm just saying there's there's another way to read yeah. that yeah i just don't want to leave the people thinking that uh if the earth is flat therefore the tower of babel was for humans to get into heaven because right. But, uh, also, I mean,
2: it's funny because even the scripture says that, right. The scripture doesn't, God doesn't say they're trying to get to us. (laughs) He says they try to be like us.
1: Yeah. Um, also another example of when I wish I had thought more quickly on my feet, when we were talking about ancient near Eastern, uh, uh, ritual involving sex, Mm -hmm. I should have just said that the. The, the third act of Ghostbusters that's what they that's what they did what What do you mean I was explaining how their rituals kind of it, it, there was all this ritual sex to invite the gods to mingle with mortals and to this, this doing this kind of ritual this kind of uh, sympathetic magic whereas mortals have sex and it's supposed to represent the gods the third act of Ghostbusters the first Ghostbusters movie, when Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis get possessed by demons and they become the, the key master and the 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 gatekeeper and the key master, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then they 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 hook up and then this brings about Gozer the Gozerian mm-hmm. who is depicted as this ancient Sumerian deity. He was the one in the painting, right? No, so that's, that's the second that's, one. That's Vicen of Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. That's the master
0: the, of evil. Chat um, about boys. It's not legal. <laughs> That was, oh, that, that was ghostbusters too um, only a carpathian would choose new york city and not beautiful san fernando valley <laughs> um
1: yeah i don't know about any uh ancient near eastern practices going on in ghostbusters too but ghostbusters one that's a yeah. pretty good amalgamation of what was going on i should have just i should have just really- led with that
0: if we just find somebody that kills aliens and another dude that shrinks his children then boom we can have sex magic
1: okay I see what you
2: did there that was yeah. that was a lot <laughs>
0: so, you did a lot also, of things there we just gotta we just gotta find or maybe dark right. helmet we find <laughs> I was gonna if, go there if next. dark helmet or maybe the guy that protects the dude in my blue heaven
1: are you trying to say capiche
0: yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, Jesse the yodeling cowgirl along with him in that film. That's what I never, I never saw that movie. Well, you're wrong. So,
2: my blue heaven's pretty sorry. Good. My, it's, sorry, it's, I failed it's you it's pretty again. Good. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's, it, it, it's it's one could almost
0: say it's infamous, sure. Yeah, I mean, Brian's never seen it, and he's old enough to have watched it.
1: I feel attacked. You're old
0: me yeah
1: so
2: um did you have another thing you wanted to bring up brian because i thought you wanted to talk about
0: I, I yeah so i i think that brian has an opportunity to explain to us why the resurrection solves the problem That's, of evil
2: that was the teaser you threw out at the end of the other yeah.
0: episode
1: now we're like what are we like two hours in but,
0: oh, we got time
2: uh, we got uh, plenty uh, of time we've, been, sure we've, actually, we've actually been moving along pretty decent we've covered I a
1: handful think... of topics today yeah. so I'm so,
0: sure everyone tuned in for that. So thank you, Edward, for, uh, you know, telling us to get on with topics. And here we are getting on with <laughs> topics and we still have time left.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, because I feel like, well, this works out pretty well because I feel like I, I failed to lay the basic groundwork for answering the problem of evil um, and the resurrection kind of completes it on the other end. I feel like I put a lot of meat in the middle, but I didn't. I didn't start very well. I didn't finish very well. But the first thing would—I mean—that's a good sandwich, <laughs> right? I'd yeah, prefer I prefer there be more meat in the middle than you know the rest of it. But well, this is more like the—I uh, can't like a, think. Of this is good more like analogy. a Monte Cristo. This is more. This is more like the meat that completes the sandwich and the very core of it. Like I gave a lot of bread. Okay, anyway, you're, is, you're,
2: you're failing at that analogy. yeah. You should, yeah. Just, you should
1: just move on. I blame you 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 brought that's in the fine. sandwich analogy that's fine but um, so the the concept of evil necessity i mean you can't have evil as a concept without god for something to be evil rather than just something that we don't happen to prefer there has to be good against which to compare it otherwise it's just what we don't like which doesn't have any real moral content or value there to be evil you have to have objective good with for there to be objective good you have to have god
0: you're you guys follow i don't know yeah um, i mean the there's a lot of atheists that think their things are good okay but what i don't know what that's based on because i I, that's the question i ask ask them every time
2: i mean i uh, say a lot of things are good and (laughs) very rarely is it aligned
1: to the divine, right? Like good well, and bad are, are, are ends that, of a though. spectrum,
0: right? But where do where do morals come from?
1: How are they ends of a spectrum?
2: Well, hang on, we're conflating we're, we're we're combining three different concepts. So there's good and bad, there's good and evil, which is different than good and bad. So that type of good is different. Maybe you call it divine evil and divine, and then there's good and bad, because good and bad is just a scale on one to ten of how much you like something. Well, that's that's what I mean, like right? It, With five it, being neutral, everything on you know smaller than five is bad, everything bigger than five is good. Yeah, so it, I think that's what it, he's
0: saying. He's saying, without God, then there is no divine and evil. There's only good and bad,
1: right? And and good okay. and bad defined as what we happen to like.
0: Okay, like okay. If you're if you're a sociopath
1: and you're like you're you enjoy stalking and murdering co-eds, well, that that's that's good. That's there's people stopping you from murdering codads that's bad um if there is it's no uh, jealous objective... Alistair
0: crowley's will right
1: well but it's not But hang on though that's different so
2: so you're talking about uh what's the you're talking about hedonism no rel- as opposed that's, that's what hedonism is right it's just
1: following what you want well, to do hedonism could be a particular value but if there's if there's no purpose to life if there's no if there's no god who created us and and with intending humanity for a certain purpose and intending mm-hmm. first for us to to live a certain way for there to be standards for for human conduct mm-hmm. then the person who chooses to value stalking and murdering co-eds and then dies of a heroin, heroin overdose because he's been he's about to be caught well, that's just as valid a way to live your life as right, right.
0: You know, I got raising you. So, a family or so, so. Say we we all agree on that point. Yep. Where are okay. you going with that?
1: Well, I'm just saying, like that's kind of the foundational issue to answering the problem of evil. Um, for evil to even exist as a category, you have to have some sense of what what ought to be in order to say this is this is wrong. And for that ought to exist at all, even as a concept, there has to be a God. Like if we're, like all moral, morality is a matter of obligation to conduct ourselves a certain way. Is that a long-winded way
2: for you to say that the problem of evil only exists because God exists? That we can't even have a problem of evil without God?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean. Okay. But okay but that is i wouldn't say it's long-winded i think it's you have to
2: well it was a lot more to, words than i used
1: you have to explain why that is if, if somebody's if somebody brings up the problem of evil to explain why, why there's no god. In god and god and you're you like say, actually
2: it's the other way around
1: the problem he, evil only exists because yeah, god exists yeah if you just answer them with that they're i to like be that. like they're gonna be like nah what are you talking about but I, 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 it's not you have to explain okay well what is good and what is evil yeah, before I, they get that
0: i think the bigger thinkers when they when they say there's no god then they say there is no good and evil there just is right and then and then we decide on things that are good by social contract so if we have you know if if, if the people that live in my space think that that's good or bad then then it's fine people live right? in my space like tom like tom like <laughs> <laughs> first of all babe who the fuck Sh- is tom shout out to tom yeah, But uh and then if you can expand that space to a city and if you can expand that say space to a county, state, country, then then we all agree what's good and what's bad and we can change it on a whim. Right. We can we can say that.
2: Well, I mean, can... humans have done that, right? Like the French went to bed one night accepting an emperor, or a king, and then they woke up and were like, we decide you can't be a king and we're going to kill the king and we want to govern ourselves. Right. So like, they no just decided. Idea.
0: So, so to say, take get your morals away from me because those those aren't those don't exist. The only morals is our collective morals of what we're going to do. So, what do you say to that guy that says there's no God because there is no good and evil? I and would that's say that's the problem with evil because there is no evil.
1: Um, when that guy when I encounter that guy, I always ask him: Were the Nazis objectively evil, or do we just not like what they did? like what it could it it, let's say the nazis had won and so we're all blonde haired blue-eyed uh german speaking Aryans now and uh uh, we could also be japanese i've seen man in the high castle right sure half and half matt's matt's people still get to be around but the point is everybody now living agrees that the holocaust was awesome matt's you're japanese i know i'm just trying to be more japanese (laughs) oh okay you you're you you looking more japanese look like you were you were staring very disapprovingly at me for what i just said it's the same thing that's 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 very japanese okay so (laughs) um if that happens greatly disappoint me brian i feel it i can feel it through the computer screen um but, let, you know, let's say they won World War Two and now everybody and now that the Nazis, the Axis powers now rule the world and everybody agrees the Holocaust was the best thing that ever happened. Right. And uh, now that the world is rid of Jews, it's it was a great thing um, because everybody agrees with that. Does that therefore make it good? Yeah, um, I, I think it does. That's the problem for humanity. It's the answer is yes. I don't see. I think
0: most people would. That's because most people don't live in that world because it doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. But most people are.
0: Let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask you this.
2: Let me, me, I have a a way to explain my answer real quick. Okay. uh, Go ahead. So, so what if, what if our leader decided that we were so bad that he needed to kill 98% of us on the face of the earth? Was that bad
1: um are you talking about god flooding? of course
2: the earth? i am yeah um because it seems objectively pretty freaking horrible
1: but well but they weren't us they were nephilim. let me let me let me address not that. all I'm, of I'm, them I'm, they weren't all nephilim no my there was a lot point, of regular humans that died too my point is that well <laughs> go ahead most people are extremely reluctant to say that, no, that the Nazis would still be wrong. It was just that everybody on earth would, would be morally wrong to, to think that, um, which, of course, presupposes a standard greater than all of humanity. And My, my point is that all more, like morality means we have an obligation to behave a certain way and to abstain from certain things, and the question is obligation to whom? you guys are saying the obligation is to the collective yet we regard the abolition of slavery to be an objective moral improvement now, we,
0: now, but for 6,000 years, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, so,
1: but, but hold on, let me address that. Um, if you go back and look at how they justified slavery, um, Contrary to popular misconception, slavery did not emerge out of racism. Racism grew out of a, a need to justify slavery. The, at the time, they acknowledged the moral principle that it's wrong for humans at what, to. Inst- at what time? Antebellum South. I don't okay, think. Well, I don't think
2: but, racism. But I, I said
0: six thousand years.
2: Yeah, I don't think racism evolved out of slavery. I think racism was propagated by slavery but thomas racism racism I the I, thomas soul is wrong racism existed well before american slavery well racism existed across the asians going back to the you know the yeah, the, 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 racism, the the three kingdoms of of china
1: racism as a if you mean by racism if you just mean a general preference like in group out group Biased. That's all racism is. Sure, but now the racism that that we're talking about the 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 anti black racism that has well, that's what has, you're talking about. You're
2: conflating all racism as white versus black. No, I'm and I'm saying racism. I'm, I'm okay. making the distinction right now. Okay, that's um, fine. Between, but I, I, I'm and, th- and and I would agree with you that white versus black racism was probably fueled and propagated and evolved because of of colonial slavery or whatever th- th- yeah. Era we this, want to call it this that. idea that black
1: people are in, are inherently inferior um therefore not fully human that was their justification for slavery because they knew slavery is intrinsically wrong it's it's wrong for one human to own another human and treat them as property i don't think that's true and so they got around it if you know if you read humans believed it
2: was okay
1: like it goes back
2: to biblical times that the 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 egyptians didn't think that enslaving the hebrews was
1: intrinsically bad you're right they didn't because they believed their their gods allowed it they believed that they were they were superior to the Hebrews, which meant which
2: made slavery okay Slavery has always been viewed as okay,
1: and they—it was also essentially didn't... Americans that decided it wasn't.
0: No, it was the British. It was Western culture, but
1: okay. it was—but it was—it was actually the Bible. Christians, that, yeah, that condemned it. Um, if you look at how slavery appears in the Bible, um, it slavery existed for the benefit of the slave.
2: I, and, I i i agree and that's that's a that's a whole nother we should probably put a pin in that one as a whole standalone but, conversation but, because but that would is a few hours to flesh out and also but in the, it, was in like, the it was like it was like soft r slavery versus hard r slavery
1: they didn't really believe in transcendent morality as a as a developed concept in the ancient world um like if you read what do you mean by transcendent what do you, what do you mean by that well, I mean, they had a sense of morality, but it was it was this idea that, you know, the intrinsic value of human life, that it was that it was sacred because we were made in the image of God. You didn't have that. Until right. Right. Because it was like if you if you killed somebody, you owed their family like the
2: value of a donkey or whatever it was like. I remember reading that. And what was mm-hmm. that? What was that like Hammurabi and stuff like that? Like they, they just yeah, kind of I mean, they, you, they put a value on human life. There was absolutely a value. Yeah, uh, and and your daughters had a value. It was whatever you could get in betrothal for them, right? And that was yeah, literally and, the value of your daughter.
1: But now, in the, I mean, the 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 genius of Christianity is a, is in establishing the the value of an individual human life because we're made in the image of God. Um. And that's the that's that's why we have this standard by which we can look back on the Egyptians and other ancient pagan cultures and say, well, they were wrong for burning widows with with their husbands. Um, they were wrong to uh you know f- to buy and sell people, to murder mm-hmm. on a whim, to treat people as cattle. Um we had that moral principle in the antebellum south. Um that people that humans are made in the image of god and it's wrong to enslave them therefore we have to get around it that somehow by reasoning that well black people aren't fully human so that that makes it okay um which of course is you know you know it's of course nonsense nobody believed that prior to the need to defend institutional slavery as an institution but but my point is it's you know this is this goes back to a, f- a few weeks ago when i was talking about the moral argument and along with the cosmological teleological mm-hmm. and argument from consciousness how i don't i don't think that they necessarily prove god's existence to any degree of final certainty but they sh- they should make god's existence their cumulative effect is to make god's existence more reasonable to believe than not because some of their premises are not falsifiable and so the, the arguments might not be they're they're not you can't be certain of their truth but like the moral argument is one of them because it may well be at the end of the day that morality is nothing but a social construct but nobody can really live that way like it 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 unravels when you when when you when you when you try to live consistently with the idea that it's it's nothing but a social construct Therefore, if I don't care about society's approval, if I can escape the power of, of the law. And or of I can people, affect it to my benefit. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Then whatever whatever I do is right automatically because I'm not obligated to anybody higher than myself. Nobody can really live that way. No, um, and that goes back to the, the the premise that
2: the founding fathers had an expectation that the people of America would have that higher yeah. belief system. That's the only way the constitution fully
1: works. Our, our right? constitution was made only for immoral and religious people. Yeah. It, is, it is wholly inadequate to the government of any right. other. Um, but I
2: think, but I find, so I guess if I was going to nitpick on that quote that you just rattled off, which nice by the way, um, if if morality was intrinsically tied to independent upon religion, they wouldn't have felt the need to call those two words out separately. Right. I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, why'd they have to say both? Because
1: you could have one without the other or you could have both. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think that I think it was. I think it's a common idiom even today to reiterate something by repeating a synonymous term. And I, I think I think he's saying that in order to group morality and religion as as related. And well, you group them together because
2: to they're because they're good people. But that doesn't. The point is, can one exist without the other? Right? Like that. Who are your good people? Your moral people? Your religious people? AKA yeah. Americans, right? Like and that's, that's, I think that's what they were trying to say. Yeah. And I, I think I, I think I agree. You don't, you it, disagree with me, by the way. You disagree with me. I'm going to help you out. Okay. Because I, I, I said there's both. They can, they can, they can be, they can be mutually exclusive, but they tend to be the same group. Like um, if, if you had a group of people in a room, right? And you said, I want all my good people over here and all my bad people over there and all the good people shuffle over here and all the bad people shuffle over there i'm suggesting some of those good people would be atheists that happen to be high moral character you're suggesting that high moral character can't exist without god okay
1: L- let me clarify here we oft we often confuse ontology for epistemology when it comes to the moral argument what does that mean um the the way that the the moral argument is often and erroneously depicted is like you said in order to be moral you have to be religious so like if you if you don't believe in god then you're not going to be a moral person
2: oh and you're saying whether or not an individual chooses to believe in god doesn't matter because god exists therefore morals exist is that well, what you're saying
1: I'm, I'm saying what Paul said in Romans 2, 14, and 15, where he, where he said that uh, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by, by the law, they are a law for themselves, showing that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences often accusing, often defending them. Um, the point being that it's, it isn't that you, you have to believe in God in order to be moral. It's that everybody is already moral. Therefore, God exists, and so I don't feel like that's what Paul was saying. I think I felt like Paul was saying,
2: "I know they're not Jews, but if they're doing the things that we would tell them to do anyway, because they're good people, they're just as good as Jews." I, f- I feel like that's what Paul was saying because he was speaking to the church, the, the other church people. He was he was writing that to James and Peter and John and as, saying, as, "Hey, don't don't hate these Gentiles because they
1: still do really good stuff." right? No, that's Isn't that not what he, he was. No. no, he was, he's, he was
0: writing to the people of Rome. He was yeah.
1: writing to the, this was in Rome and he's laying, he's basically laying out the case for the gospel and explaining yeah. what it is and how everybody has fallen short of the law showing that nobody is right before God based on their own merits. And he's pointing out how Gentile, even Gentiles who have this moral compass that it's that they show that the the laws given to the jews are are universal that there there are things even gentiles understand intrinsically Mm -hmm. because of their own conscience conscience right Right. so because because morality because everybody is already moral is what he's saying therefore um if if you unpackage what morality is that proves god's existence be that meaning morality is an obligation to behave a certain way to whom are you obligated is it society well what if society i mean you know and it goes back to the uh i i saw this frame brilliantly recently when in relation to the the uh the gay rights argument the the uh the the culture today says that if you don't approve and affirm of homosexuality well you're a bigot you're wrong Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. okay well why well because that's the that's the demand of our culture that's what our culture mm-hmm. says okay according to whom well that's because of it's it's just this it's just our societal
0: standard they right they, they. right it's just right.
1: this sort of in the air this is the standard that's been inculcated and modeled in our our tv shows and movies and pop culture um but Thanks it's disney and netflix yeah if that's true if 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 the fact that society as a whole approves of it and demands this of, of everyone in order to be good. Well, that means 30 years ago when homosexuality was, was all but universally condemned, it was the gays and the people who approved of them who were wrong, according to the standard. I don't follow. Okay. <clears throat> so you would agree that according to our culture,
0: it's. So you're saying that the standard shifts and morals shouldn't shift because you're obligated to God and not, and not to society. Well, I'm and the whims that, of culture.
1: I, I'm, yeah, I'm saying that if, if culture and society are the, are the highest obligation of our morality, then, then there was a time when, when slavery wasn't wrong, because everybody approved of it. Right. But we look back on history and and we say, well, that's that's wrong to do that. That was an objective improvement in our collective morality that we that we figured out that slavery was. Wrong we even canceled people for
0: it. What's that? We even canceled them for it and yeah. yanked down statues and right men yeah. who we were changed, once heroes changed the name no of longer military are military
1: bases and schools right. and whatnot. Yeah, right. So we're we're holding them to a standard and deciding that they've fallen short of it. Therefore, they're they have to be erased from history well to what that standard can't just be society because because
0: the the standard is self because that's that's where we are
1: that's that's where they are and it's self-refuting though because i mean they they turn it into just might makes right but if the if that's, the, if that's the highest obligation of morality, then had the Nazis won, they'd be right. Had the South won the Civil War, they'd be right. Had had gay activism not succeeded in, in winning cultural approval for homosexuality, they would be wrong um, according to their own terms. So for morality to matter at all, if that's the highest obligation, it, it unravels. It doesn't mean anything. It's just you're there there is no good and evil it's just power um but we and and as far as we can prove from from that argument itself that may well be true it may well be true that morality is nothing but a social construct but the fact that it's impossible to live that way that that living as if that's true is a leap into absurdity um and we you know we we rebel against that in our in our you know the core of our being to to live in sanity we have to acknowledge that there there's an a there is an authority to whom we're obligated greater than man that authority by definition is god he he is the moral absolute again to which all other moral values are relative and again if that moral absolute doesn't exist if it's all just shifting sand and and Cultural preferences, then it doesn't mean anything. There's no, there's nothing ultimately right or wrong, um, which goes back to the the problem of evil. Um, we really just can't, we can't, in any practical terms, really accept that there's no such thing as evil. Even people who say that, and there's if they're sincere when they say that, they can't live, they can't go through a day living as if that's true. Um, so the problem of evil on those terms basically refutes itself. But as I was explaining last week, the entire Bible is that that issue of the way the world is and how it's, it's not the way it's supposed to be. That's the central theme of the Bible. That's the entire underlying conflict that the, that Genesis through Revelation was written to address, and the resurrection is the answer to it. Uh, whatever else you think about God's purposes, whether you think th- the the existence of humans and free will is worth the suffering. Um, in the crucifixion, he took, he took his own medicine. He took the worst of it upon himself. Um, so it can't be said that he's just looking down aloofly while we suffer mm-hmm. and we're just supposed to d- just dispassionately waiting for us to trust him. He came down and, and, and took it himself but the resurrection is his promise that every tragedy every death every every suffering that we we endure that's going to be redeemed there's there is he's promised that happy ending because the resurrection is the preview of our own it's the proof and promise that he's going to resurrect everybody everybody who belongs to Christ will likewise be raised that's the whole point of 1 Corinthians 15 among other passages but uh if the resurrection happened if christianity if Christianity is true then we have that as a promise and so nothing no amount of suffering we endure now will won't be righted when he returns so I feel like I feel like there's a lot more that could be said about it but I also feel like it's kind of self-evident so it's belaboring the <laughs> obvious at this point
2: i mean i there's i mean there's obviously a lot to unpack in that and i, I think we went off intended topic there because i think you were you were explaining and you actually have never explained what you said you were going to explain is that the resurrection solves the problem of evil we've kind of talked all around this and we got into the moral argument before we actually got to the, the actual point of what the resurrection does to satisfy or solve the problem of
0: evil. that yeah that's because uh, the resurrection solving the problem of evil is like a it's like a two verse answer so he had to <laughs> he had to set it up he had to tell us that right. so we could tell us this and i and i <laughs> actually think he's right on that and uh because because he would have just said it we were like oh, okay but we wouldn't have set up what evil actually is. Right. And so how can the resurrection solve this problem if we don't define what it is? Right. But I still think to, you know,
2: I don't want to reopen the entire problem of evil worms. but I think it's an important conversation. And I think it's more important than people realize because, uh, and I'll go back to what I said last week and I'll restate it, right? The combination of free will and the problem of evil is the problem with people leaving Christianity. It's it's not understanding those two things, and it's one. It's some for some people it's one, and for some people it's the other, right? Some people get caught up on the free will part, and they're like, "Why would why would God give us free will to make these mistakes that could potentially damn us?" Um, And then that gets conflated or wrapped into the problem of evil, right? Why would God create an imperfect world that that is full of suffering and misery if He loves us and is all powerful and all knowing? Um, I think those two questions are the root of People leaving the faith, right. Or not joining the faith, mm-hmm. whichever, whichever direction it is. But I, 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 I can't help but think that, um, that it kind of brings to me, it goes back to, so Brian, you talked a lot about how evil, right. Or, you know, the, the why I'm more interested or more focused on the what, because, and I think we talked about this last week, but I'm not sure I've stated it clearly or fully. Um, everything's not evil, right? To 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 go to the water boy and old Bobby Boucher and his mom, the devil is not everything bad, right? Everything that happens, and I know we talked about this. We hit on weather and you know meteorological disturbances and those kinds of things, but even even a person doing something bad, quote unquote, is not evil in of itself, right? I I. And I don't know if this makes sense. Maybe it's a distinction that's not relevant, or it's a it's a it's a difference without a distinction. But I personally think of the two different words, and I think of evil and wicked, and I think of them as being distinct. And th- what the reason is is t- to me, when I think of evil, I think in terms of supernatural being opposed to God, and then when I think of wicked, I think of being opposed to man. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but that's kind of how I frame it in my mind. So when I'm thinking about somebody just doing something, you know, stealing from another person, that's not necessarily evil, but it is definitely against the moral social contract. Is it sinful? Um, Well, I mean, if we're going to get into, does it violate one of the 10 commandments, then we could go, we could go that way. Right. But I think there's, I think there's things that people do that violate the social contract that don't violate the 10 commandments. Right or the original laws, if you're if you're Jewish.
1: Well, right? What would be an example? Speeding. Well, I would say that I wouldn't say that speeding is necessarily a violation of the Ten Commandments, but the the underlying principle is. Paul wrote that the law wasn't written for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. Right, like like right, good you don't, right.
2: You doors are locked for bad guys, not for good guys. Right. Good, good, good fences people, make good neighbors
1: right right Good people don't need to be told to to concern themselves with other people's safety right. by not breaking the speed limit right I break the speed limit all the time. I broke it um, just
2: a, 30 minutes before this show
1: on my motorcycle yeah um, but I never uh, I never do it, it that in a way that in my judgment endangers other people right you're you're um, making a relative a relative decision sure um but uh i'm 47 years old i've never never been in a serious car accident that hurt another person so um, my 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 judgment i have a pretty good track record for my there's judgment. a lot of
2: qualifications there I have. I, I've. Uh, I've been never accident. been
1: in a serious accident that hurt somebody else. I've. I've never
2: been in, while in driving an a Rolls
0: Royce.
1: <laughs> I've never been in an accident that that harmed anyone but me and my property is right. what I'm saying because sure. I. Right. And there but, there but, have but, been but, times when I know that I've exercised bad judgment and I look back on them with shame, but anyway, I'm, but well, I, my I, point can, is... I can, I could
2: actually, but we could play a game with that, Brian. Cause I could argue that that's not true that you've harmed other people's property because you made an insurance claim and that insurance claim affected all of the people in your po- group policy, right? I pay, because I
1: paid for my insurance policy.
2: You do, but you're drawing, I mean, I don't want to get into a, I don't want to get into a pedantic conversation about how insurance works, but when a claim is made, it draws against the group, and the entire group
1: pays for the claim. Okay, and I, so I am it, a sinner. I right. I do have a <laughs> sin nature. I'll, I'll I'll save you the trouble. I I concede that. But my right. point is, but my point is that you know speeding breaks the social contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it also. Uh, you know, this goes, but and we should probably do a whole po- podcast on the Sermon on the Mount. This, I was planning to address this when we talk about Paul, but the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders would be subject to judgment.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I tell you, anyone who drives recklessly is subject to judgment. He didn't say that. Jesus I'm, didn't I'm say aware. that. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> right. But, but the, he said anyone who is angry this brother is subject to judgment. Sure. Um the, the because the underlying principle is value for other people and treating their lives as sacred, you don't have to murder them to violate that principle. Um just being and being angry isn't isn't necessarily a sin, but you are liable to be judged for it. You might you might be acquitted in that judgment, but you're still putting yourself in the crosshairs of judgment right by being angry and the the point of it is so, so anyway
2: I just the, the problem with this is you're setting up a circular argument to suggest that Jesus wasn't very libertarian
1: um how do you figure
2: because what you just set up was a was a basically a uh umbrella argument to obey all laws irrespective of how
1: uh no. inappropriate they are Yes, that's, that's not what I um, I did not. Um, mm. the, the point of the Sermon on the Mount is not Jesus telling, giving people the set of instructions for how to be righteous and be accepted by God. The point of it is to explain how the law reveals to us that we're sinful. Sure. The fact that we have to be told things like don't murder right. indicates that we have a fallen nature that we would otherwise murder if not in actual Execution, at least in our hearts, but the, so the point wasn't that uh, Jesus was setting up a, an a, an absolute law where the government's supposed to go around make policing anger or lustful thoughts. He, the point was just to drive home what the law reveals about us. That's, that's- no,
2: I agree, but I would argue, and let's let's actually put a pin in this because I think this is a, a much deeper relevant conversation i
0: would suggest or offer it is i have, I have a lot to say on this actually i'll say but one thing dre and then i'll let you say something if you want no, um i don't have a lot to say of it tonight i think are you going to hold it yeah I right it. on
1: are you almost ready for your your big paul uh your big paul podcast uh i think we already did that didn't we
0: no i i have oh. i have an idea um that's that's not my idea about paul but uh uh, a proposal that i that i had read about paul that i would i that i would like to just kind of litigate flesh out think it, i think it would be fun do it and do it live and in living color it, yeah yeah like do. you don't really believe it it's just no, not at devil's all. advocate kind of total thing total devil devil's advocate thing and
2: i'm in uh, i love i love i love advocating the devil i mean it, I, it's a,
0: it's uh it's actually I, I didn't mean that uh, because because of paul it it means that Jesus isn't true. So that's, hmm. that's the teaser. That's a, on that. that's, a,
2: that's a weird teaser. Okay. Right. But, so let me, let me say this about law and then let's move on or let's shut it down. One of the two. Sure. Um, I would, I would, I would offer that the laws that Jesus was referencing on the Mount um, and largely most of the laws that he intended or seemed to uphold were laws tied to emotion and purity of person not laws related to asinine laws that the state creates to create revenue right so while we could we could make a moral argument about speeding because you're putting other people at risk more so than you are when you're driving slow it would would fall under you
1: shot not murder
2: right
0: even even putting yourself at risk
2: correct you're putting everything at risk right yeah like like but but rolling a stop sign if there's no one else there has no risk factor, right? If you, if, if I'm pulling up to a four way stop and there's literally no other cars on the road and I don't come to a full and complete stop and roll it, I've broken the law, but there was no real risk factor there. Right. So there's, you get into or a, you don't use a, your
0: turn signal in a, in changing a lane, a lane
2: when there's not the, a car in the lane right, that can yeah. be affected. Right. Except I there just happened to, to be a cop behind you that saw it and goes, Woo-hoo, I get to pull this guy over. Right. Yeah. Um, so my point is, is there's you know victimless crime, and then there's real crime, right? And then there's crime on a continuum, and and my argument would be that any of the the, the crime that Jesus was referring to would not be victimless, but it would be victim based crime, right?
1: Well, I would. This sounds like a nitpick, but it's not. He didn't. He wasn't talking about crimes. He was talking about sins.
2: I, I agree, but but we're talking and, about law. So if we're gonna those, if we're gonna expand law to our legal system today. Right, like it. Then, then you, then you have to ask that question, like you just did. Was it a sin to speed, or was it a sin to,
1: to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah, and that's. I, I would, I think, I think we might be getting to the same place. I would agree that there is a distinction between crime
0: and sin. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for yeah. certain. But and but is is it wrong to have a social contract? No, but it's just not the same as. Right, there's overlap with actually you're not speeding and jesus is angry at you right (laughs) like like that's not those aren't the the same thing you didn't uh it just like i would you know my
1: my only point is to make that strict distinction between social construct social contract and actual morality you know some social contracts as a general rule, yeah you need a social contract you suggested that
2: that there could be a social contract that is in fact immoral at the same time
1: yeah you have to you have to worship caesar as a god or we're going to feed you to lions Mm -hmm. that's a social con that's a social contract that christians broke for centuries Mm -hmm. at great personal cost so you can
0: abort a baby at eight months right
1: yeah or at all i'm with you yeah um so, you know, just, just being good. And that's, that's another, you know, discussion. We have this illusion that we're good people because we keep the social contract. Um, well, I've never killed anybody or stolen from anybody. Well, you've never, Yeah, you know, we had an ice storm here several years ago and I watched two middle-aged women get into a fist fight over a can of soup mm-hmm. um, 24 hours earlier. When it was Sunny. happening over
2: toilet paper during COVID.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's how close we are to we that, by the way, both my kids have COVID right now. Are they gonna live? Well, I'm not a prophet. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope so.
0: Maybe you are. I hope so
2: too. I hope this ages well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm confident. I can't believe
0: I'm laughing. Like you fucking laughed at
1: that. <laughs> I'm just laughing at how. Just what so a! I'll go back and rip this this episode and edit. What a piece is. of crap I'll be if <laughs> if uh, if it doesn't age well. That's gonna yeah, or it'll be hilarious when they're healthy Shout, in twenty four hours. Right, yeah. but, uh,
0: Shout but, out to both more kids. Right. I care about you. Hope you right? guys live. Right. Please Alissa, live.
1: Alyssa and Austin, I
0: hope you're hope you get wetter. Better. But if you're uncomfortable for a minute, I might laugh at you. Yeah, uh,
2: Alyssa's been sick for a minute, and she's for those that don't know, she's an EMT, so she's out and about with people. Of varying levels of sickness on a regular basis, so
1: yeah, it kind of comes with the territory. So my point is that like people walk around with the illusion that I'm well, I'm a good person because I haven't killed anybody and people like me. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a we live in a system where we just kind of unconsciously understand that there's a stick in it for you if you break the law, and there's a carrot in it for you if you if you keep it and you're you're nice to people and polite and people want the carrot and they want to avoid the stick. doesn't right. mean you're a good yeah. person. Yeah. Now, no, I, you I,
2: might I tend to, I tend person. to believe that I've never murdered anybody because I watched Oz.
0: Huh. I mean, prison looks like it sucks. It looks uh, like
2: it's a really
1: good deterrent for me. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, I think we, you know, to that question that skeptics always ask, well, what can I just, You know, what if I just live a good life and I'm a good person? Do I need God? Well, what is, you know, you know, how are you defining good? Good according to what standard? Right. And and the idea that, well, this idea of going to heaven for being a good person, but you've, heaven is, we don't first, you know, we don't go to heaven, but let's just pretend we do. Nobody is damned who doesn't choose it heaven is heaven because he's there hell is hell because he's not if you're if you wind up condemned to hell it's because you god's just giving you what you sought all of your life um so that's goes back to something dre said earlier um kind of made me think of that and the conversation moved on but i I think it's worth saying at some point um uh, Earlier in the week, Dre shared that video where the guy was talking about uh that passage in Matthew where they many will say to me in that day, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your in your name drive out drive out demons? And he was in oh. on that day I will tell you plainly, I never knew away from me, I never knew you. Um, and he pointed out the guy in the video pointed out how well they were, they were trying to justify themselves by what they did, not by what Jesus did for them. Mm-hmm. And it just, it kind of drove home to me that like Jesus, nobody is ever con- condemned for eternity because Jesus doesn't want to save you because Jesus doesn't want you to be redeemed. He, he died so you can be there with him. Um, But if you're ignoring that, if you're, yeah. I mean, it was, it's a great, it's perfect. It's faith faith versus works, right? Right. And it's not faith in the sense that we usually think of as you have, if you believe X, Y, and Z about God and Jesus, then you're in, you get your hand stamped for your fire insurance. No, it's faith. And it's, it's the same, it's the same thing we mean when I, you know, if I say, Matt, I have faith in you or Dre, I have faith in you. It's, it's, I I believe in your, if you promise me something, I believe you'll do it. If you, if you say you can do something, I believe you. Um, If you come to me and you know, with a business plan and you say, you know, Hey, invest some money and I can give you X amount of return in so many in X amount of time. If I have faith in you, I'm going to invest in that. It doesn't mean I just nod and give intellectual assent. If you have faith in Jesus, you believe his, you believe the good that he teaches is for your good. You adopt his values as your own because you believe that's where the best return is. It's not just, it's not a quid pro quo. It's not pro it's marriage, not prostitution, to go back to our an earlier conversation we had. But um um, but yeah, the uh I kind of went off. (laughs) That
2: conversation was offline, so that made no sense to anybody when you said that. But I know what you mean. No, we had
1: we had it on the podcast about how uh the uh the difference between prostitution and marriage is that like so. A lot of people talk about, no, we didn't, (laughs) we we had it on the podcast. I promise.
2: It must've been on a podcast. You were on a different
1: before us. All the podcast appearances I've done. Was it when I stepped
2: away while you were giving your faith story, you talked about prostitution in marriage?
1: No, no. No. Okay. I mean, but, but we, so we often talk about like in terms of, you know, if you live a good life, God will reward you with, with, with heaven. Um, and if you do bad things, you're going to be punished for it by going to hell um, as if it's a quid pro quo, as if we're doing something for God and then in, in to reward our, our, our good efforts, he, he gives us eternal life. That's, that's not how it works. Um, it's that we're members of the family and we, we do this, but for, cause doing it is its own reward. We, we obey him because we love and trust him. And we know that the things he commands that's for our good, like sin doesn't hurt God. God hates sin. Cause it hurts us. If he, if he doesn't want us to do things, it's cause it's bad for us. It's bad for society. It's bad for other people. If, but if we invest ourselves in things that, that are bad for us that lead to death, then that's, that's, that's where it leads. That's the, uh, faith is at the early stages before we're mature yeah we do it because he said so because because we trust him but as we mature and we come to love what he loves and hate what he hates we do things we obey him because it's his own reward um and it would be a punishment to not do it um so it's more like and i compared it to prostitution versus marriage because to the to somebody outside to to in, <laughs> what are you laughing at right
0: i'm laughing at we're, we're going so long yeah i'm sorry yeah um, so, no, i feel this, like
1: i explained it better before
0: but this I, is good stuff um so but but i'll say to our detractors that this time we didn't go long because we took too long to get to the point <laughs> we're going long because we're taking too long to
1: drive it home so, <laughs> um the way that we talk about heaven and hell it's it's it resembles prostitution in that it's a quid pro quo you pay the man pays the prostitute um gives her gives her money and she get, he gives her he he gets something in return that isn't related to what he it's commodified it's transactional with a marriage the the honeymoon night is not a reward for the successful courtship it's the consummation of it the courtship is done for its own sake because because you enjoy each other, because you want to do it, and doing it is its own reward, and the relationship grows, and then it consummates to the wedding night, and then it life comes forth, and it you have you have a family, and, uh, and and every it's not it's not a quid pro quo, it's not transactional, it's done for its own sake. Likewise, following Jesus Christ, putting our faith in Him, it's we do this because we believe in His teachings for their own sake we don't do it because this is the price we have to pay to get what we want at the end. Um, likewise, hell, um, eternal damnation is it by definition, it's separation from God. It's just God wants everybody there. He wants everybody to turn to him and put their trust in him and be united with him for all of eternity. But people don't want that. And he's not going to force it on them. Um, so he gives them what they want at the end. Um, so that's all i think i've uh, belabored the point enough but the when i'm when i your response to the resurrection being the answer to the problem of evil were you saying that i like that didn't did that make sense or are you saying that that uh who, who are you asking? He's asking Matt. me. I'm asking I, I didn't I'm... think we talked about the resurrection as it
2: solves the problem of evil that much. We talked about the problem of evil and we talked about God, and then we got into the moral argument. And we kind of I felt like we sidestepped what you had said that you teased the last episode with that you you needed to say this one thing and it was gonna it was gonna solve it. And then I felt like we got into it, and then we went like around it rather than going directly
1: well, into it. Yeah, I was kind of correcting the fact that I didn't set up what I said last week by laying the basics about what evil is and how the, the problem of evil, like for there to be evil. You have to have God in the first place. So evil doesn't refute God. It depends on him. And then let's just fill in all the stuff I said last week. And then, oh, and the resurrection solves the problem. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, I mean, we're OK. I, it's I like think self-evident.
0: Resurrection. It's a promise. Redeemed
1: it. It. i mean the the complaint of the problem of evil is that there is there's suffering and death here people Mm -hmm. kill each other people die prematurely Mm -hmm. uh there's tragedy and pain and hardship um the resurrection is god's promise i mean jesus suffered the worst of it and it was it was redeemed He, he there was immortality and glory on the other side as a promise to us so whatever evils we suffer now that's that's temporary and will will be righted so
2: yeah i feel like we could we could solve a lot of that by quoting jim carrick carrie's character from liar liar stop
0: breaking the law asshole (laughs) there there you go and uh and you can catch us on (laughs) youtube spotify instagram facebook facebook group and uh please hey leave a message even even if it's just like, hey, I listened to the show or you suck or you're awesome. Or if or like uh like the guy Jason did, leave a leave a significant comment that, that we can we can take a peek at. And uh if you're single, leave your number one. for Brian because he <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> So he cause there's three of us, two are married, one is not. And